Welcome back to the Facts About PACs podcast, brought to you by NAPAC, the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. I am your host, Michaela Isler, NAPAC's Executive Director, and we have the usual crowd here today, Abigail Cave and Adam Belmar. How are y'all doing today? Great out here in Wyoming, Michaela. I must say it is quiet here on the Hill. Working from home is really getting tired this week, Michaela. I don't know how to explain it. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I know. I think we're all in that place. In fact, we just had a call from the media this morning asking about in-person fundraisers, and it made me laugh because I think as much as we're all ready to try to get back to some sense of normalcy, whatever that may be, I think we're a long ways from that. I'm glad that the press knows to check the pulse of the PAC community by calling NAPAC, though. Some things never change. (laughs) This is true. This is true. Well, as everybody in the PAC community knows, the Facts About PACs podcast is produced especially for the members of the National Association of Business Political Action Committees. In every episode, we recap the association's latest activities, provide actionable intelligence for the PAC community, and strive to keep all of us connected and effective during this work-from-home period. But first, Adam, why don't you tell us a little bit about our sponsor for today's episode? Absolutely. Michaela, today's episode of the Facts About PACs podcast is brought to you by Trine Strategies. Trine Strategies is a strategic communications firm that specializes in change management, crisis communications, public relations, and executive coaching. With experience serving public and private companies, government, political, and military organizations, and professional and industry trade associations, Trine understands how to tailor custom solutions for clients. If you're a leader who's seeking expert advice, an organization going through a transformation, or a communicator who needs an ally to help execute your vision, you'll find a partner in Trine. Learn more at trinestrategies.com. Thanks so much, Adam, and thanks so much, Trine Strategies. As the COVID-19 crisis hit at the beginning of March, we really were able to lean on the expertise of Trine Strategies to get us through this difficult time. Well, Abigail, as NABPackers came together again this week for a very candid and insightful tactical discussion about how to conduct virtual fundraisers in the age of COVID-19, we are beginning to see a little bit of an uptick in our members being willing to get out and engage with their key stakeholders and key champions in a virtual setting. And we're actually hearing a lot of positive feedback from our members who have begun to sort of dip their toes in this new world and would love to hear what your key takeaways were from this week's event. I thought it was really interesting. It sounds like there's a lot of hesitancy move to the virtual, but people are understanding this like a necessity at this point. We don't know when things are going to open up. We don't know when we're going to be allowed to meet in groups larger than 10, etc. So we have to start figuring out a new way to do that. Hearing from Amy Jortland from America's Health Insurance Plan and Lindsay Reutman from Microsoft, as well as our own Jan Bain, about how they are navigating this has just been really fascinating. One of the things Jan said was to make this effective and get the most face time in for everybody to limit it to 15 to 20 people, which in my mind, I'm like, get, get all the people in the door. Like, let's get as many people as we can. But then you're kind of watering down the experience for those who are attending. And since we can't be there in person, 
it's really important that people feel as close as possible, connected as possible on these virtual platforms. Yeah, I thought that was really important, especially since when we think about, you know, we're trying to raise as much money as we can and get as many attendees in the room, if you will. That strategy has really changed a little bit. And now the focus for these events is really more, I think, issue-oriented, making sure that the elected official and the candidate on the other end really do know the issues that are important to the organizations and really getting a lot more face time with the candidate than maybe they would have in an in-person event with 100 people standing around. You don't really get a lot of time together. And so the feedback we're getting from our members is that not only do they have a more captive audience, but they can actually engage more of their PAC donors, their PAC eligibles, you know, senior management that may not be in DC and really showcase the value of government relations and the PAC to a broader audience. Adam, what was your take from it? Well, certainly we continue to hear, Michaela and Abigail, that attendance is higher during the age of virtual than in-person meetings. And so that's very, very interesting. But of course, along with that benefit, as you just pointed out, becomes the realization that you have a quite captive audience. And that time in an in-person fundraiser where glad handing and chit chat might occur, there's that awkwardness while everyone sits in that virtual room and the member of Congress who's there for a very pointed and specific reason wants to be most effective. And so to the people who are hosting the event. And so the, the thing that I took away from this was we really need to start thinking about how we maximize members or candidates' time. And that means asking direct questions and giving everyone the benefit of a clear, full-throated answer to listen to, but also educating them about our businesses, about our industries, and giving them a tour visually when it's appropriate in this virtual sense is something that maybe we couldn't have ever accomplished all at once. Now that room exists, and we've got to do that. I think Amy Adams from Dunn Associates brought up too at the very end the use of the VR technology that I think a lot of companies may begin to explore, especially if they're looking for a virtual facility tour of some sort um, or a, a tour of their headquarters and maybe being able to utilize. I think there's going to be a lot of creativity and a lot of opportunity to think a little bit bigger. And I think there's going to be more options to for the elected officials and candidates to really learn about the companies in their districts and learn about the organizations that are back home working hard to help even through this COVID-19 crisis. I'll put my campaign hat on for a second. And we've been doing, as opposed to virtual fundraisers, we've been branding them as meet and greet, which obviously we hope to get a check on the other side of that as well. But just giving people an opportunity to come and talk to our candidate and discuss issues affecting their industry. So while she is making those relationships and learning about the industries, hopefully we can foster that relationship down the road and then potentially turn that into a contribution. But I feel like branding it as a meet and greet almost makes it a little less threatening, almost like there's a little, a little less of an expectation. So the, the candidate and the participants come in on more of an even keel, even playing field, and it's more just a frank discussion about what's going on as opposed to hoity-toity, here, have a check. You know, Michaela, I think that there's really something important in that point that Abigail Cave just made, because even for PAC eligibles who might just be like the rest of us who are trying to figure out how do I pay for the pool this summer? Oh, wait a second, the pool's not open. And all the other things that are confronting us, they're curious about what these candidates or these members of Congress are saying and where their positions are. 
but maybe not so much so that they immediately want to crack their wallet open. And so the meet and greet has some allure and less pressure. You know, one thing to the mission of the Facts About PAX podcast of offering tactical and actionable intelligence on this webinar, I really learned what platforms people are using. So Microsoft is almost exclusively, you shouldn't be surprised, using Microsoft Teams, which is a great integrated platform for people who are on that or utilizing Office 365. But for so many others, Michaela, Zoom is the easy platform. When we talk about innovating how we do these virtual things and what platforms we use, it's about who's doing it, right? We're all new to it, so it's all new to us and we're innovating, trying something new where maybe we're not familiar with best practices, but there's one common thread of advice that went through every person on that webinar. And it was practice, practice, practice. There's no substitute for knowing how this is gonna work and that you can use your tools properly. That was a real good takeaway for NABPAC members, I thought. I agree. And I think, too, the preparation that goes into these webinars, it, it sometimes seems so seamless and easy, but it really isn't. And making sure that in advance of your webinar, you're supplying the candidate with one-page background on who your organization is, teeing up on your end, who's going to ask the questions, what's the goal of the, of the webinar, what's your agenda, and really being very specific and clear about the those goals and really taking ownership as an organization and not relying on someone else, like maybe the candidate's fundraiser or scheduler. So I think there were some really great points and lessons learned, and I couldn't agree more, Adam. Even when you practice, 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 something usually does go wrong. We actually found that out on one of our policymaker speaker series recently, where one of the congressmen could not access the webinar. So we had to pivot, and you know we did, and you move forward. But it really, I think there's some grace being shown by those of us that are trying to put these together, but you also need to be professional and organized and thoughtful in how you move forward. One of the things, just hearing you talk about that and thinking about Abigail's point as well, Jan Barron from Wiley Ryan was on this call and he shared some very interesting legal insights as well as we talk about moving into the virtual realm. And one of the things that came up was whose equipment can the PAC eligibles use to access some of this? Is that work equipment? Does it need to be home equipment? Does the company utilize existing infrastructure to help sponsor or, or facilitate bringing people together virtually? Or should that be better left to the campaign or the candidate themselves. What did you guys think about that, especially with your campaign hat on, Abigail? The big difference Jan was telling us is that whether or not it's directed at your PAC eligibles or whether it's directed at your entire organization or company. So if it was directed at your PAC eligibles, you, there was a little more freedom for you to use your company's resources for those things. But if it was directed at your entire company, they needed to use their home computers and the candidate needed to host it. So we honestly, at our campaign, just make it a practice to host all of them on our Zoom account, just so there's no, no question, no worries about all of those logistics. But yeah, it's definitely something to talk to you about with your, if you have a legal counsel at your organization, talk to them. Or if you don't, feel free to give uh, Jan Barron a call or send us an email at nabpack at nabpack.org. And Jan would be happy to help you walk through that with one of the 
great benefits of membership in NAPAC. Yeah, thanks, Abigail. We also, I think it was very uh, exciting for NAPAC members that Microsoft also took a moment to offer up their services to help train on Microsoft Teams. Uh, so for any of our members that are looking to hone in on their skills with putting together these webinars, uh, be on the lookout for more information on that. We're, we're very grateful to Microsoft for making that opportunity available to all of our NAPAC members. I think too, at the end of that webinar, we wrapped up around just talking about the biggest benefits of hosting these virtual webinars. And I think it was Jan Bain who made the point that I think is really important, especially if you're you know, maybe a smaller pack, don't, you're, you're not someone that's a million dollar pack, but this is a real opportunity to make your dollars go a little bit further. And by that, just meaning engaging more of your PAC employees, your PAC eligibles who you know, may give to the PAC, but have never really been able to be in the same room, come to a fly-in in Washington. Now they get that face-to-face -face time in a small setting and they really get to take the time to ask the questions that maybe they've always been wanting to know from that congressman in their district. Coming out early for the PAC community and stepping up and and being involved in these events is going to likely pay big dividends long-term for the business community. Paying big dividends and also enfranchising people like never before. These are some of the secret benefits that we're all discovering about the era of virtualization and work from home. Competing priorities in a regular world, like needing to go pick up dinner or get home in time to sit with the family or whatever it may have been, is giving way to suddenly a lot more time. We're not happy campers, don't get me wrong, but my ability to zoom in to two or three different events that I know I wouldn't have made before in person says a lot about the interest that I have and that people have in general. And kind of like you said, Michaela, there are people out there who have always wanted to have the opportunity to attend to everything you ever wanted to know, but were afraid to ask with your member of Congress. And that's what these can become. And that's really wonderful. Well, I think that, uh, you know, the, the world of our virtual events is going to continue to evolve. We still have a lot to learn. And as more of our member companies engage in these style events, uh, we will be able to report back. I think the initial feedback, though, is that uh, overwhelmingly positive, overwhelmingly productive, uh, want to continue on this path as long as, as we need to. As we look ahead to next week, a little bit of a different focus for our organization. We have been uh, given an opportunity to hear about some polling that has been taking place about voters' views of election administration reforms as a result of COVID-19 and safety issues and getting to the polls. And as we think about our get out the vote messages, will the fear that it appears many of the voters are feeling about getting out and going and voting, will this change how we communicate with our employees and our member companies uh, around the elections? And so we're really pleased to have with us the CEO of American Strategies, Joe Goods. He's going to review the poll uh, in more detail, expand upon how American voters are concerned about the safety and the integrity of the upcoming elections. And really, voters on both sides of the aisle are looking for reforms to make sure that the 2020 election is safe and secure. So I think it'll be a really insightful and engaging conversation with Joe. And I think that will shape how we move into the next six months before the election and, and sort of knowing the psychological state of the voters out there right now. So just a quick note to all of our listeners, we just want to thank you for sending in your future topics and uh, suggestions on guests for the show. Please share this link 
as we send that out every Monday. We also post on our LinkedIn and Twitter accounts. We want everyone to know the facts about PACS. Until next week, stay safe, stay engaged, and keep moving forward.